0: Doug, I'm back. Did you miss me?
1: Yeah, and I think our listeners did, too, because it's, it's got to be a little tough just listening to Doug for 25 minutes, don't you think? Uh, I wasn't listening to what you said now.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of The Yes Men. I am Lou DiPietro, back from my seemingly month-long hiatus... To my left is Doug Williams, as always, and uh, we're back together for the first time in was five weeks, four weeks.
1: It's been a long time. I, I, You should listen to the episodes I did while you were gone.
0: Oh, I listened to one of them. I, I listened to the one you did with uh, Seth Rothman from Inside Hockey and our, one of our Yes Network research team.
1: The next one that I did, I talked a little bit about your vacation. Well, the one you listened to, I, I talk a little bit about the vacation at first, right? I'm like, don't call him, don't text him. Yep, yeah, you mentioned me,
0: kind of out of sight, out of mind. Yeah.
1: In, right. in the second one I talk of a little bit about what you might be doing including potential adult beverages on the beach. I Interesting. think a little a little bit of that, right, on your vacation? Oh
0: yeah, I'm mean, going to have to go back and listen to that now because I can tell you exactly what I did do and then go back and listen to you. I didn't go that
1: in depth, but You're in depth. I'm just saying there's something to some free to look for there.
0: It was a lot of coconut rum and fruit juice. See, in I knew terms it. Of the adult I beverage. knew it.
1: And that's why I accurately predicted. I really sometimes I underestimate how awesome I am, Lou. And when that happens, it's, that's not modest in the slightest. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm glad that you're back. I'm and, glad to be back. Um, we're, we're, our, our little tandem is back together. <sighs> the band the, is the back. interesting thing, though, Lou, is that you scheduled your honeymoon and wedding right in the middle of a potential Stanley Cup run for your favorite hockey team. I know. What man in his right mind would do
0: that? the man who watched his favorite hockey team not even get close to that far the previous
1: year that's who you don't hold out hope you don't say honey let's let's do a destination wedding in the middle of winter and that way we don't have to worry about if, it
0: if i had to if i had to schedule my life around potential watershed moments of my favorite teams, I'd I'd have like a three-day window in (laughs) August where I could get married. So I I don't know if that would work out. You have your
1: honeymoon at like a and b in Santa Monica. Yeah,
0: late late February or like a week in mid-August, and that's about it.
1: Yeah. Well, let's think about it.
0: I can't do it during the Super Bowl because you never know if the Eagles are going to win it. I can't do it during March Madness. I can't do it during any point of the early season of the Yankees or the possible postseason run. You got the NBA and NHL playoffs now. Yeah, I'd have I'd have a, a, a short span in, and the All Star game too was always fun for us. I'd have a short span in the summer that'd be about it. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could float that one
1: by the by the in laws. So when you were thinking of, when you were coming up with a date, did you actually include sports stuff like we should do it at the beginning of the Yankee season rather than when it picks up a little steam? We should. Did you actually include those S- details? Sort of, and
0: I say sort of because. The initial thought was maybe a late fall wedding, but there was no way I was compromising a potential World Series run for the Yankees. So that being my bread and butter and the one sport that pays my paycheck for the most part, I sort of begged off on that one and, and compromised with everyone else in the world in May. Smart, so, smart. Yeah, so uh, you
1: make some convincing points.
0: Yeah, so I mean, you know, I, I had to beg off on that one, but uh, I think it worked out okay. The beautiful day.
1: It, it was a beautiful day.
0: Didn't rain, uh which is which is always nice after it poured the night before, but uh yeah, that was uh that was the lone sports consideration that went into wedding planning. That and being in Tampa for spring training was a week away from having to deal with any of it. I got that
1: Should we tell the story on here mm-hmm. that uh I was the first person at your wedding reception? You,
0: yeah, go for it. Why not? We talk about crazy stories from the weekend all the time, so why not?
1: Well, this is just like it's semi-embarrassing. Like that At that very moment when you and the rest of the wedding party, people that were supposed to be there early to take pictures, got out of the bus and I was already at the venue greeting you like I was your <laughs> father or a member of your family saying congratulations, welcome to your own reception, I'm already here. And the reason for that…
0: It, and, it was poor planning on my part. See, that's why you, right, you I don't, feel embarrassed, and, but it was poor planning I, on my I'm part. I'm
1: not blaming you. I'm just saying maybe I should have asked some questions. The inner journalist in me should have gotten to your wedding itself and asked somebody, hey, you know— uh, What's the deal? What's the plan? I didn't do that. Instead, I went in. I, I I watched the ceremony, and I booked it right to your reception, which was about 45 minutes away. And I booked it there, and I got there. I want to say, I
0: don't know, forty-five minutes before we did.
1: I think, yes, roughly. Yes, this was like maybe two forty-five in the afternoon.
0: Mm, no, 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 no. Yeah, Sorry, three o'clock ish, somewhere around three, there. Three. Yeah.
1: It was probably three thirty. Yeah. And your wedding reception didn't start till five.
0: Right. That was poor planning on our part. We didn't include anywhere in the invitation or or notes. To anyone who wasn't going for the full wedding hotel uh, reception experience, that there was a two and a half hour gap, which was designed so we could take photos and get there. Uh, but yeah, you were the you you and Melissa were the were, I, were the greeters, the keepers of the key. I got
1: up. to know that venue well. I, I I you know I helped them prepare the chocolate fountain. Oh, um, you know, the I, chocolate fountain. I, I at one point I considered dressing up like the servants. You would
0: have had to have that weird Bluetooth headset thing going yeah. on. Yeah, that. that's I the, actually that, that was, that was the
1: number one thing I wanted. I wanted one of those things just to keep in touch with everything. It was sort of the, like
0: being in a mafia movie. Yeah. I got to be honest.
1: So, so that's the the story of that. I Lou literally got off this stretch Hummer thing that he was in as as people getting married do, and he was with the whole party. And he comes out, and I'm like, "Hello, hey there." And of course, my how first, is everybody? My first thought is, Doug, you want a beer? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, you just immediately had sympathy for me, Um, and
0: I had a lot of beer, so you know we had to get we had to get rid of it somehow. We we a little we overshot a little bit on the uh, the amount of adult
1: beverages that would be consumed in that limo ride. Well, it's funny, Lou, because I consider the fact that you're on your honeymoon Mm-mm. for, what it was it, like two weeks?
0: Yeah, we were gone for 12 days, so I was out of here for about three weeks.
1: And you are a—you're very in the know when you're around, so you know what the Yankees do. You mm-hmm. know what goes into each game, who pitches, who hits. Yep. Uh, and it's part of working it, yes, but you went 12 days without having any of that information. So now that you're back— where do you think this Yankee team stands, and, and did it kind of shock you when you came back that we're st- we're in June right now? And it's p- it's very possible that if the Yankees are going to go out and get a pitcher, it might have to happen soon.
0: I, I will tell you there's one thing that surprised me other than the, the fact that they went into a slump. There's one thing that surprised me about why I was gone, and I had very limited Internet access where I was. So it was kind of like I had half an hour a day or so to sort of follow along. I was surprised of all things that the Cubs beat Masahiro Tanaka for his first loss. Given how dominant he was that day at Yankee Stadium in the doubleheader back in April, uh, you know, that, that that was the team that pinned it on him. But they were the first one to see him twice. So, I mean... That's true. You know, you got that going for you. Where I think they stand is in trouble. And... The way the AL East is right now, I mean, Toronto's starting to fall back to earth a little bit, so the, the gap isn't as wide as it has been, I, I guess, from what I gathered. But if this team can't score more than three runs a game, they're not going to win a lot of games, especially in days where their third, fourth, and fifth starters are on the mound because you can't expect a quality start out of some of these guys every time around. And that's what that's what the offense is requiring out of them.
1: It's amazing... Uh... We did the Chris Sheeran Show yesterday, the the Chris Sheeran Show podcast, and he did a lot of research about the starting rotation. And he put together everybody's ERA since Sabathia and Pineda had been out, and obviously Nova's been out. So three-fifths of the rotation was out. Yeah. They've had something like a 3.6 ERA.
0: And the team has fought one game over five
1: hundred as of
0: yesterday's win.
1: So it's – yes, you can say they need a pitcher. That's a different argument. You can say that for the stretch one, they need a good starting pitcher. Mm -hmm. They need to trade for one. Mm -hmm. But you can't say that their starting rotation is why they're only one game over 500. It's the fact that They they can't hit. And it seems like every game, they have a bunch of guys that get hits. They're not having two or three hits a game. They just can't put it together. They're not hitting long balls. It's really interesting. Brian McCann has seven home runs. I thought he would have more by now. Um, And they've had surprising, uh, you know, very good starts from, you know, Solarte. Yep. And um, Ichiro has been amazing. Ichiro has been very good. Disappointments, Alfonso Soriano and Kelly Johnson, to name a few. Carlos Beltran as well. But you know what? If you look at their lineup, it really seems like now that they're healthy, Mm -hmm. Beltran had two hits last night. He looks like he's not feeling any pain. Yep. It seems like they're going to start. They're going to start. Scoring runs. Well, he's
0: going to start a throwing program apparently to get back into the outfield because he hasn't played the outfield obviously since he got hurt. Uh, there, there's there's a couple of things that that strike me as I'm interested to see where this goes. One of which was uh, Brian Cashman was in Scranton uh, last weekend to be on hand when Dave Miley was inducted into the International League Hall of Fame, and uh, the Scranton Times Tribune's beat writer Donnie Collins did an interview with him. You know, he did a media session. And one of the quotes Brian said was if, if things aren't working, I've got to figure out how to fix it or something to that, that effect, basically meaning – and I'm going to paraphrase and put this into my own words, but it basically sounds to me like it means that if Alfonso Soriano can't hit one set of pitchers, he's not going to be here very long. I mean he's, he only plays half the time because his splits are awful. He's making whatever he's making, and he's 38 years old and a veteran and all that. But it sounds to me like that's the kind of quote that says something like, he's not going to be here if he can't be productive.
1: And that's exactly <clears throat> what I I think is going to happen, too. Kelly Johnson, a lot of people have been saying that he's a guy that if the yeah. boss was still the owner, he would be gone already. Yeah. But I think the Yankees have patience for him because he can play a bunch of different positions. They have a lot of guys, bottom line that need to produce. Right. That need to produce to keep their jobs.
0: Well that's that's the other thing is that yes, the fact that it's the Soriano's productive against lefties is helpful because a lot of teams want righties to hit against like that's the that's the split where you have the most patience. Johnson has gone from and and he's an example of how fickle baseball is because he's gone from a guy that was a great value signing to like this guy can play a ton of positions. He's been great for Tampa. He hits a lot of home runs to Oh, man, how is this guy going to cope with being an everyday third baseman when he's barely ever played third base to I think the only reason he's still on the team is because he can play first base and share is not 100 percent healthy in the minds of many. Yes. That seems to be his progression so far, and, and we're not even halfway through the season.
1: And Kendry Morales would have been the swan song for Kelly Johnson. Mm. That would have been it for Kelly Johnson. And
0: possibly Soriano too once right.
1: Beltran was able to play the outfield. He signs with the Twins. They live to see another day. It's just going to be interesting. I wrote an article yesterday about Zoilo Almonte. Now, there's a guy that the Yankees may consider, but the thing is he's a little bit like Soriano except he's the absolute opposite. Yeah, he stinks against lefties. Right. They really could make a decent team. The problem is Ichiro is hitting well, but when you have an outfield of Ichiro, Gardner, and Ellsbury – that leaves some power to be desired.
0: Right. That that leaves, you know, outside of Ellsbury's one massive year where he hit 32 home runs and, you know, was an MVP candidate, that leaves you a, a trio of guys who are going to hit you 32 home runs total if you're lucky in a, yeah. in a full 486 games between them.
1: So um, I, I, what do you think the Yankees have to do by the All-Star break to really make us feel better? Because the, the rotation, even the guys that are gone, forget <laughs> mm-hmm. Nova. Mm-hmm. Pineda and Sabathia, I said this while you were gone, even when they come back, neither of them is a sure thing. Usually when you have injured pitchers, you're just waiting for them to get back. But Pineda, you don't know what you're going to get from him. He had the pine tar, then he had the injury. Sabathia wasn't good before he got hurt. What do the Yankees have to do if they're not going to acquire anybody by the All-Star break? What do they have to do to make us feel better?
0: I don't know if they can other than acquiring someone before the All Star break or just win games. When, yeah well yeah obviously the thing about that is with the rotation CC worries me a lot less because he's in his 30s he's been around forever he yes he's learning how to pitch with less velocity or however you want to put it but I mean whether you're 300 pounds or 220 if you got a bad knee and landing on it is painful it 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 affects your your motion your follow through everything. So if he's healthy and his knee is good and he's feeling good and he's had two months off, he could be dominant in the second half and be, you know, look at what he did in Milwaukee in 2008. He could have that kind of second half, theoretically. Pineda, the shoulder, the pine tar. he's missed two years, this, that. I've almost come to the point in my own personal fan opinion where I'm just – anything you get from Pineda is a bonus at this point because he's just there. For lack of a better word, I mean he's the, he was great in the four starts he had before he got kicked out of the game in Boston, and we haven't seen him since. It's been almost two months. So. It's sad
1: because he came out in Toronto, and he I remember distinctly. I was watching as closely as Yankee fans were. Came out and he threw ninety five mile an hour fastball, and it was like wow, like there that's is. the guy they got. Right, he's back, and it's just like it's too good to be true for a lot of reasons. The pine tar seems like well, how bright can this guy be? And then he gets this injury that's dangerously close to that shoulder that makes you wonder, is it just the shoulder? <laughs> well,
0: see, with the anatomy thing of that is, is where that muscle is, it's underneath the shoulder, kind of in the lat. So if you're favoring something a little right. bit, it's, it's, it's one of those, as Brian Cashman would call it with Derek Cheater, the kinetic chain. If you're favoring that shoulder or it's not 100% and you're kind of overworking it, that's, that's the surrounding area that could get hurt. Understandable. The fact that he he injured it throwing a simulated game is a little worrisome because I know he wasn't really ramped up in a sim game, but you know, hey, it is what it is. If the Yankees could go out and acquire a pitcher, and you know, you you said it very well in the Zoil Almonte article about him possibly being a trade chip for a guy like like Jason Hamill, for instance, from the Cubs, that they can go get a guy like that who can eat some innings and you know could have a three and a half ERA, but hopefully, given the Yankees' offense right now, not necessarily, but. Benefit from the run support he would get with this lineup. It would be very helpful down the stretch. David Phelps has done a very good job filling in. Vidal Nuno has done a very good job filling in. Chase Whitley has been better than anyone could have expected filling in. But you can't count on those guys for three more. I mean, two of them are two of them are good. I'll say Phelps is a you know Phelps should be in the rotation somewhere. Nuno. Could be is one of those kind of swingman types. Whitley is a guy who has been in the minors forever, just converted to a full-time starter. Like, you can't expect him to be a world beater, yep. period. So CC coming back, you know at least he's going to be consistent whether he's good or bad. You still don't really know what Pineda is going to do. So they, I really think they need to go out and acquire somebody. But CC coming back at least would make me feel a little bit better about – Stabilizing one of those three spots.
1: You know the motto I have for their rotation, Lou, is just TGFJ. Thank God for Japan, because <laughs> if it weren't for Japan, the Yankees' rotation would really be struggling right now. I mean, seriously, they would not have a one or two guy
0: Tanaka and Kuroda, and yep. hope it don't explode. And yeah. they,
1: they've really, they've really helped. Um, moving different topics, Lou. We got to talk some Rangers, and we do. we have a.
0: Can I make one other Yankees point that I I want to make? Because I saw this (laughs) – one of the things I saw while I was away is I was browsing various, I don't know, websites or beat writers, columns, things like that. And somebody – and I forget who and I forget where it was, so I apologize. Otherwise, I would single them out by name. Wrote an article about is Dylan Batances becoming the next Mariano Rivera. I wrote that same article in March and everybody thought I was a moron. Who thought you were a moron? Everybody here. Thought I was a moron.
1: Who called you a moron specifically?
0: uh, Nobody called me a moron specifically, but people thought I was a little crazy. Uh, There was a comment on my one article that was like, Batances sucks and you're an idiot. Uh, And there was a couple other negative pieces of feedback on that article. And here as we stand as we tape this, he has a 15.2K per nine, a 169 ERA, and has better numbers in what seems to be coming a similar role – that Rivera had in 1996, former starter, and his numbers just are, like Rivera, and his numbers are better. Now, the, the article I wrote had Phelps in there as well because Phelps was a—I don't want to say failed starter, but Phelps was a starter converted to the bullpen, kind of a short guy, had the same pedigree as well. But Betances looks like a completely different human being this year than he has at any point in his Yankee career, and now people in the quote-unquote real media are starting to make that same comparison. I feel justified.
1: I just want to say that out loud. I can see why people would be confused by Phelps because we all know David Phelps is not going to go and be the best closer of all time. No. Or close ever. No. But, but Tancis is a a decent comparison, and I, yep. I don't think you're a moron for making the comparison. He misses bats, as you can tell by the fact that
0: he strikes out 15 guys per nine innings.
1: He misses bats. He strikes some guys out. His
0: control has been great this year. And he just seemed like he has a different demeanor knowing he's going to come in and throw his best stuff at you for an inning or two and that's it.
1: I'll tell you what we're taping this on Wednesday Sean Kelly is supposed to return tonight this bullpen how can you complain you have yeah. Batanzas Warren and Kelly right now you got a six seven eight right there It's nice to have a six seven eight
0: yep and there's there's another area where I think there's room for improvement Matt Thornton has not been very good right
1: you could get another lefty you could get another lefty
0: especially if they have LeBlanc for the interim to be the whether he goes or whether Ramirez goes for Kelly, I would imagine it might be Ramirez because he's easier to get rid of in terms of options. But uh, there's another room, piece of room for improvement is that Thornton just hasn't really been good against lefties this year. And that's going to be huge down the stretch against David Ortiz and the entire left-handed hitting Blue Jays lineup and et cetera, et cetera. Adam
1: Lind. Yeah. So. Okay, so let's talk some Rangers. Let's and do it. We don't, have a, we don't have a beat writer kind of mm-hmm. expert coming on our show today per nope. se.
0: Well, we had Seth on a couple weeks ago, we, so that's, that's today, the question
1: we got. Right. Today, we're, we're having our own biggest fan on the show. Right. Like, a lot of people don't get to do that. And a lot of radio shows, I think their biggest fan is, like, a crazy, like, you know, guy who calls in ten times a day. That's not the case for us. Or
0: incarcerated Bob, in the case of Boomer. Yeah, right.
1: yeah. Or Jerome from Manhattan. <laughs> Jerome from Manhattan. All right. Or Stamigo
0: so, Park. You're on the fan.
1: So, uh, our guest today is going to be uh, Brielle Saracini. She is an employee of Yes. Yes, she is. She was the um, receptionist at Yes, um, and was diagnosed with cancer. Has gone through treatment, and is back through uh, treatment right now. Came back, made a triumphant return. Right in the interim, um, and she is just really an inspiration to all of us. She's everybody's favorite person in the mm-hmm. office, and. We talked about her on the uh, Chris Sheeran show yesterday, and she's a huge Rangers fan, so we just wanted to have her on. And she has
0: been part of the Yes family for much longer than the time she's been employed here. She's been part of the Yankee family since 2001, uh, really. So she's, uh, we love her around these parts, and we're glad to have her on the, on the Yes Men. So here she is, Brielle Saracini. Brielle, it's Lou and Doug in Stanford. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. How are you guys?
0: We're great, we're, and we're very happy to have you on. We're happy to hear your voice. We miss you around here.
2: I know I miss it so much. Thanks for having me on today. I feel you know still part of the team.
1: <laughs> where Where are you right now?
2: Um, Yardley, Pennsylvania. So pretty close to the Trenton Thunder, actually. So oh, keeping well, up with the Yankees in a different way. If you didn't yeah.
0: already have plans tonight, you could go see Francisco Cervelli start his re- or continue his rehab assignment in Trenton. But I think there's a little more pressing issue going on tonight on television.
2: Might okay, want to is. watch
0: Game Four Stanley Cup Finals. I don't know. Might be a little more important.
2: Yes, I I would have to think so, even though my nerves would probably prefer if I was just at the other game.
1: <laughs> well, you won't hear this until maybe you listen to this later, but uh, when we were introing you, we talk about how... Like, we've had some, like, beat writer kind of experts on our show to talk yes. Rangers or any other team. Yes,
2: that. And right? so
1: you are not technically an expert guest, but I would say you are... Uh, the biggest fan that we've ever had on the show. So that's well, that's the best like credentials I can give you.
2: That's totally fine. I'll take those credentials. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> How are you
1: feeling about tonight?
2: Um, I think that we're going to win tonight. Granted, I have said that pretty much every single game <laughs> so far. So I um, obviously, the this is a must win, um, clearly, stating <laughs> yes. the obvious. But I do, I don't know, I feel it. I think that the Rangers can come back. I'm not giving up hope yet. I think that... We can skate with them. I don't think that, you know, I think starting this series, a lot of people came in saying we were going to just get destroyed by the Kings, and I think we've been the better team in the first two games at least, and we skated pretty well for certain periods of the third game. Um, but I, th- I think we can do it. What do you guys think?
0: I, I think a lot of people that, that might think, oh, 3 nothing is insurmountable, can just even look back, what, two rounds ago? Yeah. When they were down 3-1 to Pittsburgh, and then, boom, here we come. So if they win the night, they're down 3-1 with two of the last three games on the road. It's the same scenario. I, yeah. I, I think that's and,
1: and sometimes if you, if you really do, I, I know it's a cliche, but if you think about it one game at a time, it makes you feel better because if you look at it right now, it's a mountain, right? It's like mm-hmm. Mount Everest. And if you think about just getting to the top of it, you're going to be like, wow, well, that's not going to be fun at all. But if you think about walking, hiking two miles a day Mm -hmm. and and eventually getting up, then it's a little bit more doable.
0: Can't win four games. Can't win four games in 60 minutes. You can only win one. Right. Exactly.
2: And I think that part of the problem is that, you know, there's no way that they're going to let this, you know, not even win one game in this whole Stanley Cup. Like, they're not going to let them raise the cup in Madison Square Garden. They're not going to lose two at home after losing four straight. I just can't see it happening. Their motivation is through the roof right now.
0: No, I don't think – I agree. I don't think they want to lose on their home ice. I, I think – as as weird as this might sound, I think if they lose in five, they'd feel a lot better about
1: it than losing in
0: four or six.
2: Absolutely. Even six. Well, it wouldn't be in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> right.
1: And well, six, but... I don't know if either of you are uh, Beirut or whatever – beer pong, or whatever you want to call it, enthusiasts. But um, when I used to play it, I, I've, I'm past my prime. But when I used to play it, you know, you have the old naked lap thing. If, I'm still if your whole, my prime. If your whole team doesn't hit a shot, you do a naked lap. And you're, like, if you've ever played a game and you're, like, Three-quarters of the way in, you're getting crushed and you haven't hit a shot. You're like, oh, please, no. Just hit yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Take me out of this misery. Make sure that I don't have to run around this house naked. Not that, I mean, you normally actually have to do that. But I'm just saying. <laughs> the threat of it. You just want to win a game. As a exactly. Rangers fan, and I just want the Rangers to get one.
2: Yesterday or the other day, they just weren't scoring. The puck just simply would yeah. not go in no matter what. I don't know what it was, something about it, it just was not their game. And I think that, you know, today they're going to come out with that much, firing that much more. And, Doug, I think you and Chris talked about it the other day on the Chris Christian show. Uh, Biggest fan. You're you're everybody's biggest And just put it away. Right. I think, you know, the the fact that everybody, even when they were
0: down 2-0, was like, oh, you know, 2-0. The fact that the Kings' first tangible, physical, holdable, we-have-the-lead lead lead came with a second left in the first period of Game 3 should should have everybody off the ledge as it is. Right. Exactly. I mean they the, the Rangers were the better team in the first two games for the majority of it, but the Kings took advantage of mistakes. Game 3, Jonathan Quick turned in a performance that will win him the Conn Smythe if they win the night. Yep. And here we are. I mean, exactly. it's not it's not like they've been beaten 5-1 three and, times over. the run. other
2: thing is, you know, I'm not a big fan of the whole screw the Rangers button thing that goes around and you know, complaining about officiating is definitely not my thing. I think that, you know, there's a trillion other things that you could do to win a game. But, right. you know, the whole, it's hard to argue with the whole sitting on Lundqvist thing. That um, was total goalie interference. And, yeah. you know, you can't blame it on that. And you, I'm, I'm not a fan of, like I said, you know, blaming it on officiating. But it is tough because they could have easily won that game.
0: Yes. And that would have been a huge momentum shift. Exactly, one,
2: and, one, and it could have back. easily even even if it wasn't, it could easily just be two one, and I think right. that nobody would be throwing in the towel yet.
1: I, I I keep thinking like I still think there's a chance that they somehow come back and win. They're down they're down zero to three. Imagine if they were like tied or you know two one. Obviously, they can't be tied right now, but you know if they had been down two one, I would think there was an even better chance. It is so frustrating looking back and realizing how close we were. If we had been beaten 3 or 4 nothing each game right. and were clearly bested in each, right. you know, matchup, then you would say maybe we'll get one and skate out of here like we did against Boston last year. Mm-hmm.
0: That's exactly what I meant when I said that. It's like the Kings first tangible lead was in the end of the first period of game 3. Yeah. So the the Rangers could have easily been up two nothing as much as they were down two nothing. Changes the whole complexion. Although I got to give credit Ed Olchick even said yesterday or Monday in the game broadcast that there was a sort of ticky-tack kind of sticking foul in the first period of Game 3 that the refs called against the Kings. And he said, as long as it's still a penalty in the third period, if that's the way they're going to call it, that's the way they're going to call it. As long as there's consistency, you can't say they're out to get us or they want the Kings to win the Cup or whatever.
1: Um, Brielle, can you give us an update on – we're moving – past Rangers here, just past because hockey. Brielle has some interesting things to say, even not about hockey. Can you give us an update on how you are doing and how treatment is going?
2: I'm doing well. I uh, I don't know if you guys briefed it earlier, but basically I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma um, last August. So I did treatment once. Um, I plummeted through and I did 12 rounds of Chemo and then was had one clean scan afterwards. They told me I was all better. Um, came back to work back at yes. Yeah, so happy, probably happiest girl in the world. Um, and then I was re or I was diagnosed with a relapse um, just a few weeks after my first clean scan. So I didn't forget how awful the experience was um, going through chemo the first time before I had to start the second time. But um, I uh, I'm doing well. I actually I'm I'm shocked at how good I feel right now um so that's good to having a pleasant surprise but basically I uh you know have one round behind me and then my next round is next week and then I should be uh, good to go um a few more rounds and then a transplant a stem cell transplant so that's pretty much how I'm doing
0: my dad is uh I, I haven't mentioned this on the show before but Doug knows that my dad is also battling lung cancer at the moment and I am thankful that he says the same thing you did. With he's surprised at how well he feels. Yeah, I mean you see it on TV, and it's it's
2: it's terrible. It's something that no human should have to endure. But you see it on TV, and you get nervous. Um, They, you know, with the constant sickness. But science has come so far that it's wonderful with the side effect medications and um, just everything. Science, thank goodness for science, basically. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's definitely an experience, and it's definitely something that I would wish upon nobody, and nobody should have to go through. But that being said, I, every day that you feel even a little better than before, you're like, I feel great today. So definitely puts things in perspective.
1: <laughs> and and for all, I mean, all sports fans out there, I mean, it would be nice, Brielle. Is this is this fact or fiction? It would be nice to at least have more hockey to distract you from everything, because as a Rangers fan, this is one thing that I think about. Not only do I want them to somehow win it all, obviously, but you just, I I don't want hockey to be over yet.
2: Exactly. And it's pretty funny you said that because I did bury myself. I have a history, I'll actually get into that when we talk about Derek Jeter in a little bit, but I have a history of burying myself in sports whenever something is going on. It's a great distraction. It's, you know, so powerful. And it's funny, um, because as from between my diagnosis when I was relapsed and now I've gone to three different playoff games, I just kept going crazy and I, I would just say like, how many playoff games is too many playoff games? And I just keep going and going and going, <laughs> and I've started treatment now, so unfortunately I'm not allowed to be in arenas, um, huge germ hubs. But uh, so I'm no, no longer going to games, but it was pretty funny. Just it gives me something to do, because something to look forward to, and you know that's very powerful.
0: I don't think there's a such thing as too many playoff games, as long as you feel up to <laughs> yeah. going to them. There's
2: no such thing as too what many. Well, at his finest, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so you mentioned uh, Derek Jeter, and it's a story that Lou and I both know. Um, and it's just something that, you know, you hear a lot of things about athletes, and you're never really sure which are genuine and which are not. And we especially hear constantly negative things about athletes off of the field, off the court, off the ice. And it's such a shameful part of our generation because of Twitter and just uh, being constantly in the know. We know everything about these guys, and sometimes, guess what, they don't turn out to be saints. But you went through an experience where uh, Derek Jeter actually got in touch with you and and made you a real part of his life. Can you at least tell our listeners just a little bit of of, of the backstory of that?
2: Absolutely, and I think part of the most impressive thing is the fact that the Yankees, and Derek Jeter especially, has been doing... He's been doing amazing things for me over the past, you know, 12 years. He's been inviting me to games and, um, you know, when I'm at games, seeing him and catching up and calling me and doing everything, and nobody even knows about it because the Yankees aren't putting it out there as means to get attention. They're trying to, you know, do this because it's a nice thing to do and that they Derek Jeter wants to do it rather than him just trying to protect an image or um, be do it for showmanship, basically. So I think even that is the coolest part of it. Um, but, yeah, so after 9-11, my dad passed away in 9-11. He was the captain of the plane that hit the south tower of the World Trade Center. Um, and, like I said, I dove into sports. I didn't really know where to turn, didn't know what to do. Um, my mom didn't let us watch the news because it was just such negativity, and the only thing really we were allowed to watch was sports. So big Yankee fan. I was, um, a huge fan of Jeter ever since Jack Curry, um, came out with the book, the life you imagine. And, uh, I read it and fell in love with him. I think I was telling my mother that he's just so good to his parents. He's so loyal to his family. And that was the thing that really attracted me to him. And then of course, as a young teenage girl, of course, <laughs> I fell in love with Derek Jeter even more. <laughs> um, yeah. So I wrote him a letter after nine eleven. um, and he invited us up to the stadium for the day so we spoiled me completely um we were given the royal treatment um we met all the players hung out with them on the field watched batting practice from what was the Tory Tower then um which is pretty impressive he gave us seats for the game um watched the game from the pre- half from the press box half from Jeter seats uh during the 7th inning it was crazy he called us in the middle um when he was in the on-deck circle, or yeah, on the deck circle, he um, called us in and gave us gloves that he and Joe Torre, I think, had stitched during the games, so, like actual Derek Jeter gloves. So um, he pretty much did everything he could think about. After the game, we stood by the dugout and you know high-fived everybody as they were going in, and it was pretty unbelievable. This I can't even express to you how well they treated us. So that was just incredible and over the years we've met him a few times he he recognizes me at games he doesn't just you know he didn't just do one nice thing and then kind of throw us to the wayside and forget about us like his deed was done he always sees it at the stadium comes up makes comments one time i got braces he's like oh your braces are yankee colored <laughs> just total nerdy things um just you know over the years um just standing around the stadium um, one time i was running for the the f network and um he came up to me, it was in Fenway, and he came up to me in the dugout and said hi and kind of was joking and acknowledging the fact that he knew who I was, which is pretty cool. Um, I was trying to be professional, trying to get hired at that point, so <laughs> I didn't really say much to him then, but he's just always been a great guy. And then um, after uh, after I was diagnosed, I was um, at home just watching the Yankees game. It was Moe's last game, so... There's a lot going on. Then um, last game at the stadium, and uh, he basically, I went into the kitchen. I'm the only person who would miss this phone call. But when I came back um, from heating up food, I had a Derek Jeter voicemail. And this voicemail, you guys heard it. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. Um, Basically, it was it was him wishing me well, saying that he's been think he's thinking of me. I'm in his thoughts. I'm in his prayers. He hopes I feel better soon. That I'm going to get through it. It's all going to work out great. And um that voicemail is a huge thing going through chemo to refer back to. So when I'm getting these nightly shots that hurt pretty badly, I always play the voicemail and listen to it and, you know, think Derek, you said it's going to be okay, it is going to be okay. And it's pretty cool. And the coolest part about the whole thing was from the first time we met him, the day at the stadium after 9-11 to the day that he called me, he would he, – of course, he didn't plan this, and this is just total – fate, but it was exactly 12 years to the date, from the first time I met him to the phone call, September 26, 2001 to 2013, so that will give you chills, if anything, but he's a pretty great guy, and, you know, like I said, I think the coolest part about this whole entire thing is that he doesn't do it for show. He does it because he really cares, and he's concerned, so... It's a pretty cool story. I'm happy to share it with you guys. I've actually never um, – I've told the first part to a lot of different people, and this is the first time really coming out and sharing the second part about this voicemail.
0: Well, we know Derek Cheater was right once, so we're going to hope he's right again and again and again and again if we have to. That, yeah. Uh... Everything is going to be awesome for you because Absolutely. we love you and we miss you around here and we hope to have you back very very soon.
2: Yeah, I mean, I wish I wish I could be back now, but one day, right? <laughs>
1: and I'm sure that I'm sure that you get this a lot, Brielle, but the most and anyone in the, in our office would say the same thing. The most impressive thing about you is your ability to be somehow jolly all the time. I mean, you <laughs> walk around the office like nothing is up. Even on days where I've been at the office with you, where you know a lot is up, and your ability to just kind of put that in the in the rearview mirror and instead enjoy the company of people around you, like that's something that everyone should should learn how to do.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, I was going to say we we you and I have kind of been BFF since like the first day you worked here. We just chatted for a good hour at the front desk, <laughs> and then we Absolutely. were BFF ever since. So it's
2: pretty funny. I always say. Um... <laughs> So I interned with the the ES network a while ago um two a few summers ago and then I came back a year later and worked well attempted to work and I was really only there for two weeks um before getting sick the first time. So when I came back this time, I made such inappropriate jokes, Um being like, don't worry, got to last more than two weeks this time. Like, And then I went to a doctor appointment on the third week, like, don't worry, I was telling everybody, don't worry, I'll be back. Like, don't worry, I'm not sick again. And then suddenly I got sick again. So next time I return, I won't be making such <laughs> terrible jokes and I won't be so, you know, jinxing myself, I guess,
0: but Well, we look forward uh, very, very much to the day where that happens, where you do make your return uh, to the office. And again, thanks for coming on and and sharing your story with us and, we hope to see you soon.
2: Yeah, and uh, before I go, I want to say, you know, like you said, we're BFFs. So I've been tweeting at you, but formal congratulations. Welcome back.
0: Thank you very much. Hope yes. you had
2: a wonderful trip.
0: Sorry I didn't answer. Twitter was a little sparse. No, know, that's totally Bolognese fine. So. I,
2: I would have been uh, more I'm more impressed that you didn't answer. Yes. <laughs> and, Doug... Uh, you did a wonderful job filling in, flying solo. Um, Thank you guests. so much. You lose You've been great. It's Thanks been fun. so much.
1: Hopefully we'll, uh, that will be the only time you hear me alone. Don't,
0: don't pump <laughs> his ego up too much. I don't. I want to keep my
1: job here. Yeah, right? my ego <laughs>
0: can't take it. Well, it's Can
2: great I... to have you back together. <laughs> <laughs> Thank it's great you. to
0: be back together, and it was great to have you. Thank you very much, Brielle. Thank you
2: very much. See you later.
0: Well, I don't really think there's anything more we could say to make this episode awesome, so I'm not going to. I'm just yep. going to go straight to the... Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Love us. Keep listening to us. And next week we'll be back with hopefully a little more positive Rangers news, a little more positive Yankees news, and a lot more fun.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to edit this as quickly as I can so people can start listening.
0: Cool. Until next time, he's Doug. I'm Lou. We're the Yes Men. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.